Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Take your Bible, go with me to Exodus chapter 2 is where we're going to be today as we continue our series, Basket to Casket, as we study the unsettled life of Moses. Here's what I'm confident of, and here's what I think we're going to discover in the text today. It's that in moments of uncertainty, certainly God is working. In moments of uncertainty, certainly God is working. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 11 and let's discover in the text how this is to be true in Moses' life and how it can be true in ours. I want to invite you to stand all across this room as we honor the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 11, it says, years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. And looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you commander and judge over us? The man replied, are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. And when Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. If you look at me in verse 11, the first two words that it says there is years later. Uh, or your translation would say when the time had passed or when a certain time had come. And the idea here, and, and in fact, let me give you a quick caveat here. In Acts chapter 7, I know that's a weird connection here to Exodus chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 7, we see a guy named Stephen who is giving a sermon. And then he is going to be martyred. He's going to be killed for his faith at that moment. But in Hebrews, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 7, we find Stephen giving us some commentary on this passage. I'm going to reference it a couple times. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want. But Acts chapter 7, maybe you can write it out next to, uh, next to your Bible. But we see that uh, right here is all it gives us in Exodus 2 is years later. But Stephen is going to give us in his account in Acts 7 that it says when Moses was 40 years old. First thing I want us to see in verse 11 through 15 is that unsettledness is not only in our circumstances, but can be in our soul. Unsettledness is not only in our circumstances, but can be in our soul. And it is sometimes those circumstances of life are what cause that unsettledness in our soul. Sometimes it's just the reality of life and challenges that we walk through that just feeling a real unsettledness in who we are. But I think in Moses' life, we are going to find this understanding that when we say the unsettled life of Moses, this is more than just him geographically going from one place to another, although he's going to do that in his life. What we're going to find is that for Moses, there was a truly unsettledness in his heart and in his soul. And today, I think we can learn something significant from that. We find here this moment where it does tell us that he uh, goes around and he strikes. He comes upon uh, this Egyptian who is oppressing uh, his, uh, an Israelite brother. All right, Not necessarily like biological brother, but a brother, one of his own people. And it tells us here that he, that he strikes this Egyptian. Now, 
The word strike there, it doesn't mean to like to, 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 you know, to hit someone with the intent of taking their life. Um, and, and in fact, if we go to Acts, back to Acts chapter 7, what we find is that Stephen's understanding, which being a part of the inspired word of God, I think gives us a lot of uh, confidence to know what he's saying here is, is true, is actually that when, when Moses is doing this, and, and Acts 7, 24, it says, when he saw that he was being mistreated, that Moses came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. So it tells us the heart of what's happening here is Moses is coming to rescue or to avenge his brother. This is not something of like cold murder, right? This is not, so, so, so hear me, it's, it's not necessarily discouraged or encouraged. It's more just reporting. This is what happened in the moment. He was avenging. He was, he was stepping up in the face of injustice or oppression for his brother, okay? And it's in that place, in this act that takes place, that we find there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes. And I would say it's a lot of unsettledness that is happening in Moses' heart and in his soul. The first one I would say this is an unsettledness in his identity. An unsettledness in his identity. If you look at me in verse 11, it says that after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people. If you're writing in your Bible, I encourage you to circle that phrase, own people. And he observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his own or people, or one of his people. I'd encourage you to circle that phrase. Because right here from the very beginning, the first moments we have of Moses' life, there's a recognition of the tension in which he lived. Now, at this point, I think that it is already settled for Moses. He knows that he is not of the house of Pharaoh. He is of the house of the Israelites. That is who he is. It says here, he went out to his own people. You, you don't typically go out to your own people. You typically come back to your own people, don't you? And so I think there's this, this unsettledness of his identity. But not just in his identity, I think there's an unsettledness in his purpose. And what we're going to find in this text today is that Moses, he does have the heart of a deliverer. The problem is he's not prepared to deliver his people. I think he probably thinks he is. But I think in Moses' mind, he's going to deliver his people with the sword and God's plan is to deliver his people with a staff. Acts chapter 7, verse 25. Listen to what it says here. Moses assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him. But they did not understand. Right? This is a commentary that Stephen is making. That, that when Moses does this, when he avenges the death of his Israelite brother, when he takes on all the risk of killing an Egyptian, not just an Egyptian, but an Egyptian official, a government official, when he puts himself at risk, he does this with the moment of, here we go. And the people don't get it. Right? I think for Moses, this is a crisis of purpose in his life. This is a crisis of, man, I, I see how this thing should go. I am willing. This is my moment of courage. This is my moment of conviction and bravery. And here we go. And it just falls flat. Hear me, it is one thing for you to tell a joke and it fall flat. It is another thing to set the direction of your life and for it to fall flat. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Moses. He is, in his mind, this is it. I have this spirit of a deliverer and I'm, I, I'm going to come and I'm coming back to my own people. I am the knight in shining armor. I am the hero who was showing up to save the day. And it says the people didn't understand. They didn't grasp it. 
And so some of you know the unsettledness that comes with struggling to find your purpose. Right? Like maybe you, everything was lined up for you to get the dream job so that you could have the dream life. And then for whatever reason, you don't get the job. And the unsettledness comes not just with how am I going to pay the bills next month? The unsettledness comes with, but that was the plan. Like that, that's what was supposed to happen. Or maybe you were in your job and things were going well and you get laid off and you go, wait a second, I was supposed to be here for the next 30 years of my life. And and now life is just completely thrown upside down, right? And so we recognize that when our purpose is not met, There's unsettledness in the depths of who we are. There are deep questions about who we are and why we're here and what our life is to be about. And I think for Moses, that is this moment of here we go. Like we're 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 taking our stand. We're 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 going to we're going to be the resistance to the people in power, and and they don't get it. An unsettledness that exists, and then I think an unsettledness because of fear. And they're not getting it. What we find is that for Moses, it becomes clear that, um, that it becomes known. It says in verse 14, Who made you a commander and judge over us? The man replied. This is one of his Israelite brothers. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses became afraid and thought, What I did is certainly known. And so now there's going to be this fear that is going to grip the heart of Moses. Here's what I want you to be encouraged by today. That sometimes being in the pasture is where God can do his greatest work in our lives. Because again, I want you to catch here that you have Moses with the heart of a deliverer. Who I think his mindset is the delivery with the sword. But God says, no, it's going to be with the staff. And to get from the sword to the staff, there has to be some work done. It's going to be some refining work. Look with me in verse 16 through 22. Understand that unsettledness can be used by God to refine us. It says, now a priest of Midian, that could be an official. Um, Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Then some of the shepherds arrived and drove them away. But Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. And when they returned to their father, Reuel, He asked, why have you come back so quickly today? And they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. So where is he? He asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to eat dinner. So Moses agreed to stay with the man. And he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And she gave birth to a son whom he named Gershom. For he said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. Here today, unsettledness can be used by God to refine us. And as I told you, there's moments in the text here where we're hearing or seeing the heart of this deliverer, aren't we? So it's not just with his brother, the Israelite, who was being struck down by the Egyptian and he avenges his death. But now here we see him running off these punks, all right? That's my translation, not anyone else's, right? So you have these seven daughters who show up. They're there to water their flocks at this well. And God in his providence has Moses right there in this season of settleness. And once again, the heart of this deliverer shows up where he runs off these shepherds. 
He runs off these bullies and he not only runs them off, but it says that he waters the flocks of these daughters. And so as we see the story unfolds, they go home. Dad says, hey, how did you get your chores done so quick? And they said, well, it was this guy. And here he's looking at these seven daughters and says, what are you thinking? This might be a great option. And I got seven of you. I got to find seven great options, right? And so Moses eventually makes his way for dinner. And as we see here, that dinner leads to much more. As he ends up with a wife named Zipporah. We're going to see later on in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, that she's described as a Cushite. So it could be that these are the people of Cush, of the lineage of, of Cush, the Cushites, that happen to be in, uh, in this area. But again, we're seeing this moment where even as he's identified in this moment as an Egyptian, Right? But that's not who he is. And, and, and so we see that, that now this is going to be for, for Moses, this is going to be 40 years. Four decades of uncertainty. Four decades of thinking, man, this is not what life was supposed to be. 40 years of struggling through the heart of a deliverer and the only thing he has delivered at this point in his life are some dumb sheep that keep getting into trouble. And we see it ends, I think, in a place of just being unresolved. Look at me in verse 22. It says that Zipporah gave birth to a son whom Moses named Gershom. Where he said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. So here's Moses. And, and it was not uncommon for, I mean, we see it in other places in the Bible where, where you will name your child uh, in relation to a life event that you're walking through. But the life event that Moses is walking through, this is, this is not a, man, it's been one week. This has been a season of life that has taken place. It hadn't been the full 40 years, but it's been a season of life that has taken place. And the name that he's going to choose for his child is this. I'm a resident alien in a foreign land. What Moses recognizes is that he is unsettled. He is uncertain in life. He says, I'm not of the house of Pharaoh. That's not who I am. In fact, grandpa wants to kill me. I'm not of the Israelites. I stepped out on a limb by faith. I stood with courage. I, stir, I stood with conviction. I stood in bravery, ready to be the deliverer of my people. And they didn't understand. And now he's out here with this family as a herdsman, knowing this was not where I belong. But it's in that place that God is preparing. Because Oftentimes in our minds, deliverance comes with the sword. But in God's mind, deliverance comes with the staff. And sometimes it takes 40 years in the pasture following sheep with a staff for us to learn to be positioned in a place where we could even come to recognize that maybe just maybe God's refining me because he wants to do something through me that I could never do in my own power. And if it wasn't for this season, I would continue to rely on my own power. Dr. Tony Evans says this, he says, Moses went from living as Pharaoh's protege to working as a desert herdsman. But God was supernaturally working behind the scenes to prepare the deliverer of his people. Sometimes to accomplish his purpose through you, 
God has to take you low before he will take you high. That's not an easy word to hear, but it is a helpful word to hear today. It could be that in the uncertainty that you're walking through in this season of life, it could be the unsettledness of your soul. It could be that God is preparing. He is refining and working in you in a way that success would never be able to do, that comfort would never bring, that ease would not be uh, an asset to be able to bring that refine. I'm not saying that God couldn't, but oftentimes what I think we see in Scripture and what I can say to be true in my life, that it is in those seasons of unsettledness and unsuredness that God seems to do his greatest work. One commentator said that God often prepares us for the next chapter of life with the experiences of the present chapter. And so today, if you find yourself in that season of uncertainty, don't miss out on the fact that God is using this season and he is refining you. He is at work in you. And here's what I love about this moment about scripture. In verse 23, we're going to see a shift here. Okay, go with me. We're getting ready to land the plane here. It's looking lighter outside, so I think the rain is gone, all right? We see what feels like a disconnected shift in the story here. It says, after a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, and with Isaac and Jacob, and God saw the Israelites, and God knew. Again, in many ways, this feels disconnected, right? Over here, we're dealing with Moses. We're we're kind of leaving Moses in this place of just, just wrestling wrestling with the realities of life. And now all of a sudden, it's like a scene change in a movie where now we go to the Israelites and it says here that they're in a challenging place. And I think they're challenged not just because of the continual oppression that they've been, over, been under from Egypt, because I think in some ways this has been another hit to hope in their life. You recognize hope as a powerful thing and the absence of hope is a powerful thing, right? Because it tells us here that years later, the king of Egypt died. And I just wonder for them if this was just another knock of hope in their life, of them just thinking, gosh, if we could just get a new administration, things would get better. Have you ever heard someone say that before? God, if we could just get a change in leadership, then life would turn around. Life could be as it should, right? And here they're thinking, gosh, Pharaoh, this one who has oppressed us with these edicts and with this harsh treatment, gosh, if we could just get someone new in office, then things would get better. And here's what it says. The king of Egypt's gone. But things haven't changed. And in that uncertainty and unsettledness, it says they begin to cry out. And all of a sudden, in the hopelessness of what life has offered, they're beginning to cry out to God. And notice God's response here. It says that God heard and that God remembered and that God saw and that he knew. When he hears the cries of his people, it says that he remembers his covenant. This takes us back to Genesis chapter 20. In Genesis chapter 20, he's, um, he's reaffirming the covenant that we see and that he makes with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, where he said this, listen, Abraham, you and your descendants, you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. And I'm with you in the long run. 
And in fact, he tells them in Genesis 20, he says, listen, there is going to be a season where you are going to spend some time in captivity and time in oppression, but don't worry, I'm not leaving you there. I will deliver you and I have somewhere much better for you. And it says that God remembered this covenant and he saw and then he knew. And that word knew there, it means to respect the promise that he made. So why is this significant for us today? Here's why it's significant. Because when we see the unsettledness of Moses and the uncertainty of his life, when we look at our own life and we feel the unsettledness of life, oftentimes all that we really long for is for somewhere to plant our feet that is firm. We feel like oftentimes in life we've built our house on the sand and the storms, they come and they rage against it, right? And it's in those moments of uncertainty when the storm is raging, we just want to know that our feet are planted firm. And so what we find here is that there is something that is settled. It is a settled hope, but it is a settled hope that is found in the promise of God. The hope in this moment for the Israelites was not in their effort. It was not in their performance. It was not in anything other than the promise that God had made. And what God had said was this, was, listen, I'm not going to leave you in that place. I'm going to deliver you. And here's what I love about this. Hang with me, all right? Hang with me. When it comes to smoking meat, (laughs) some of y'all are angry. You don't have a brisket on the smoker right now to go home to. I know, but... That you, you learn and you grow, right? You, you're growing in how much time and what temperature and what wood to use, and right? There's a growth process. But then there's like, like, that's like 101. But then you get to like 201, 301. And when you get to 301, 401, now it's not just about smoking the meat. It's about having the meat that is ready to go the same time as what the sides are. And if you know from smoking meat, you know, you, you tell your wife or your friend, whatever, you say, hey, it's two and a half hours to smoke. Two and a half hours in, it's supposed to be at 175 degrees and it's 150 degrees. And you said, yeah, when I said two and a half, I meant three and a half, right? And that person, they've got the corn ready. They've got the mashed potatoes ready. They got everything ready to go. And you're still out there waiting, right? Looking at that temperature gauge. But it is a glorious moment. When you pull that meat off and you walk in the house and at the same time they say, well, hey, everything is ready to go. Isn't that a glorious moment? Right? The meat is ready and the sides are ready at the exact same time. That's smoking 301, right? (laughs) When you can do that. Now catch this. Catch this in what God's doing in this text. Catch this for what this means for your life today. Over here we have the life of Moses. A deliverer's heart, but a misguided understanding of what that deliverance is going to look like. And God's going to use him to deliver his people. But before he takes him high, he's going to take him low. And so he's going to take him into this season of uncertainty. And he's going to marinate him. He is going to prepare him. He is going to do all that he needs to do to position him for when the time is right. And at the same time over here, you have the people who've been relying on to hope in and of themselves, but all of a sudden they've turned to a place of just saying, all right, God, we're turning to you. And in this moment it says, God knew. We're in a season of uncertainty. Don't doubt today that there is a settled hope that can be found in the promise of God and that God's timing is always perfect. That's what we're seeing here in in chapter 2, that God's timing is perfect. He is setting the stage, the meat and the sides. They're ready at the exact same time for this incredible act of deliverance that is going to come. And it's not just in Exodus chapter 2. 
In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, at just the right time that God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that they may no longer be slaves, but be adopted as sons. That the spirit of God in us, that we might cry, Abba, and so that we may no longer be slaves, but be adopted as his children. Listen, hear me today. God's timing is always perfect. It was perfect in Exodus chapter 2. It was perfect in God sending his son Jesus to come and to pay the penalty for our sin, for the wickedness, the evil in our life, that he would take that sin upon himself on the cross at just the right time so that in his sacrifice, that for you and I to trust in him by faith, to come to submit, surrender our life to him, to trust him to come into our life and to forgive us of that sin so that we would no longer be in slavery, crying out to God, but that we might be delivered, to be adopted into his family, to no longer be unsettled in our identity, to no longer be unsettled in our purpose, to no longer be unsettled by fear, but to know who we are and to know whose we are and to live in the freedom that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. At just the right time. And here's what I'm hopeful for today. Is that today is just the right time for you. Father, today as we come to you. We're so thankful that at just the right time you sent forth your son. And we're grateful that because of Jesus, your death, burial, and resurrection, that we can be delivered from the slavery of sin, which so easily entangles us. It so easily takes us to places we never wanted to be. It makes us become who we never thought we would be. And yet at just the right time, you sent. You sent Jesus to come. To deliver us from the slavery of that sin. To become a son or a daughter of the king. And so today, God, I pray in trusting spirit of God at this moment that you would pierce the heart of those that need to repent of sin and turn towards you by faith. Whether in this room, whether they're watching online, Lord, watching, but wherever they're at today, that today would be the day that they are ready to have their feet settled on the rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those that are here, those that are watching, God, that Lord, that they just find themselves in a season of unsettled, maybe because of external circumstances and maybe just the inner unsettledness of the soul. But God, in that moment, in this season, Lord, that we would by faith just continue to lean in, just continue to press in and to know, Lord, that this season is not wasted, that you're working in us, preparing us, Lord who you want us to be, preparing us for the next chapter that you have for us. Knowing that this season is not wasted. And so God, we offer this to you today in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we hope again that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. 
Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318-322-5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.